Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your best and worst of the weekend. Phone calls, questions, comments, complaints, and ballot stuffing shortly. Joining us now, as promised, to discuss the football weekend. He does great work on the NFL Madden video game, the NFL draft for the NFL Network, and each week for the NFL on Fox. Friend of the program, life, sports, football, and other things. Charles Davis, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Well, I'm well, DG. How are you doing? We're doing great. It's fun to actually have some actual games to talk about for the first time in quite some time. Uh, Let's start here. We've got some huge news with Ben Roethlisberger out for the season. Uh, Drew Brees of the Saints out for perhaps six weeks. Those are two of the bigger names at quarterback that we have. Uh, I don't know if you carry around a list of backup quarterbacks like the Charles (laughs) Davis power rankings. But um, Teddy Bridgewater is the highest paid backup and has been a starter. And Mason Rudolph showed some things this weekend. Uh, how do you assess those two teams moving forward, given these big headlines? Yeah, I'll start with the, the Steelers. You know, Rudolph, when he came into the league, he was a, you know, borderline first-round prospect. So it's not like he was, you know, people didn't you know, evaluate him well or think, oh, God, Mason Rudolph. I mean, he carries, he carries some gravitas. And remember last year, he was carried essentially as the third quarterback behind Josh Dobbs. And he beat out Dobbs for the backup role yeah. this year. Dobbs now traded to Jacksonville after the injury to Nick Foles that elevated Gardner Minshew, which is going to be a great – he could be the guy that breaks the Mike Leach curse. And I hate saying it that way because I am one of the monster fans of the Pirate. I love him. But you can't really – you can't put on paper and show that quarterbacks who played for him have become successful. Right. I guess the best you could do is Tim Couch, and he had him the one year at Kentucky. But if in terms of his Texas Tech, Washington State days, we don't have that guy. You know, Cliff Kingsbury had a cup of coffee as a, as a backup in New England, but you talk about successful, no, didn't have it. So Minshew may be that guy. Anyway, I got off track. Hmm. But Rudolph, you know, he's the guy that, that many people evaluated to come in, potentially be a starter in the league. He takes over now. Health in a lot of ways will make things better for Pittsburgh because they were trying to play around Ben's arm and we didn't realize the extent of that. Yeah. We do we do now. Now, obviously he's not Ben and he's not going to be Ben at his best, but being healthy, well, that that that's a that that that, that gives them an opportunity. The thing about that division, even with an 0 and 2 start, they can get back in it. If the defense plays up to its level and should be right? That gives them an opportunity to get Rudolph fully integrated, get his feet wet in the whole thing, and then the other guys have to elevate their play. Now, in the past, you would have said, okay, Le'Veon, Antonio, obviously they're not there anymore. So Juju Smith-Schuster, now the wide receiver one, he has to take that mantle and bring along the James Washington. Dante Moncrief, he's been in the league a while, man. Okay? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm not expecting the leap. He was part of the part of the issue yesterday. <laughs> you get the idea. Moving on, Teddy Bridgewater. This is why he re-signed with New Orleans. Okay, Drew, Drew's age, system fits his talents. A coach who will who will marry his talents to what he does, not necessarily say, "Okay, Teddy, I'm going to call all Drew's plays for you." He's going to call Teddy's plays, and that gives them a chance. Yesterday, that's a tough test. You know, everybody's going to focus on the missed call by the official. I think they missed two calls on that one, frankly, DG. Yeah. They, they missed a roughing the passer because David Onyemata hit 
Goff right in the face. That's why, you know, that's not being discussed as much. It should be. Because people want to talk about, oh, this is a missed call. It screwed the Saints, blah, blah, blah. It always comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not downplaying that. Go back and watch the tape and tell me Anya Mata didn't rough the passer by today's standards. He did. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't know why that's not being discussed at all on the same play. Charles Davis joining us on the David Glenn Show from the NFL on Fox. Fun follow on Twitter. He is at CFD22. Quick note from the Vegas world. The Saints entered the weekend at 8-1 to one odds to win the Super Bowl. They are now 25-1 to one after the yeah. injury to Drew Brees. Again, a six-week hey, estimate. Hey, real, real, yeah. real quick, DG, as you do those odds, remember they have another quarterback there named Taysom Hill. Yeah. And many did not see Taysom Hill as a full-time full you know front line right. quarterback in the nfl they see him you know they thought he was incredibly athletic he spent his entire college career hurt which i find one of the great ironies if irony is the proper way to use the word here he was hurt his entire college career loved the kid i actually met him at the banding camp one year absolutely loved this kid total buy-in on it loved the way he played college couldn't stay healthy now he goes to the NFL, he plays tight end, he plays wing back, he plays pump protector, he, he, he runs down and covers kickoff, hadn't been hurt yet. It, it is the craziest <laughs> thing I have ever seen, and I love that. I don't think he's a front-line quarterback. Sean Payton has said that he is. This would be a heck of a tester if Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints offense stalls. I think Taysom Hill's best role is how Sean Payton is using him all over the place, different things, all of that with quarterback skills that allows him to throw the football off of certain plays. I don't see him as a full-time front-line guy, but that doesn't make me always correct. I've been wrong plenty of times, as <laughs> you well know. Hey, another quick fun fact, besides Charles Davis is occasionally wrong. Drew Brees, 40 years old, has missed only one start because of injury since he was in high school. It was actually a game against the Panthers four years ago. That is the only example in the last, what would that be, almost 25 years, and now he's expected to miss six weeks. Saints have a decision to make on what injury list they put him on because one of the lists would require him to be away for eight weeks. All right, here's a fun fact for you. The new head coaches, not named Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers, have a record of one win, ten losses, and one tie entering tonight where, of course, two of them are going to go head-to-head in that uh, Jets-Browns game on Monday Night Football. The Matt LaFleur guy is not only the exception, he's 2-0 and as everybody else is 1-10-1. Now, he, he inherited Aaron Rodgers, and others her- yeah, inherited a lot of headaches. Team. Are you – and they just beat the Vikings 21-16, to and Minnesota, yeah. to me, looks like a pretty good team. What do you make – of that start as the only other example of a first-year head coach getting a win was Bruce Arians taking his Buccaneers here and beating the Panthers in our backyard. Well, two things come to mind. Number one, as you said, he inherited Aaron Rodgers. So that's a heck of a building block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you look at the other guys, what they're inheriting wasn't always horrendous, all right? It doesn't mean that everybody got a bad draw. Zach Taylor did get Andy Dalton, won a heck of a lot of games, but not a lot else around him. You know, A.J. Green goes out in preseason, so that's a bad start right there. You look at Kyler Murray being inherited by Cliff Kingsbury. Well, look, they inherited each other because Kyler Murray got drafted number one because he's going to run Cliff Kingsbury's system. Right. Okay? So all those things go hand in hand. Vic Fangio, did anyone really think Denver was going to be very good this year? No. We thought they would be improved, and they are improved, especially on the defensive side of the ball, even though they were already good there. They took the Bears to the limit and had a chance to beat them. They're going to be competitive because Vic is that type of a guy. 
but did we expect them to really be contenders in that division? No. So these things are, you know, it's not a major surprise to me. A little bit more of a surprise, if you could make it, is Green Bay's defense continuing to throttle people. That's two straight weeks they've throttled offenses that thought were ready to roll. And if you're in Chicago, you're a little bit worried now because, look, I've been a huge Mitch Trubisky backer. You know, I've had this this fight for a while now. People keep telling me, yeah, he's not. I I keep waiting for him. Right. I'm still waiting. this, This two weeks in a row now, he wasn't very good. And that will limit that Chicago team because that defense can't hold everybody to 14 every week. Yeah, it was an interesting weekend. He, you know, you know, he's a UNC guy, so he's a he yeah. was a regular guest on our show. We got to know him a little bit, covered him a lot. Love he's a gr- great young man. Absolutely love the kid. It's funny coming out of a weekend like this. I both agree with what you just described. It's getting late in his career, you know, for him to show that he can be more than a caretaker. But he also found Allen Robinson for 25 yards in the. I mean, in the heat of the moment to set up that game-winning field goal. So we'll toss him a little bouquet for that. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yes, and we should toss in that bouquet. You and I both know, DG, tightrope walking. Oh, man. Like the, like the flying Walenda family. <laughs> and, and for people who don't know this, the Walenda family's hook has always been they performed with no nets underneath as tightrope walkers. Right. Most, most people with any brain, one, wouldn't get on the tightrope. <laughs> but number two, at least have those nets underneath. Give yourself a chance, right? Yeah. That was their hook. You, in the NFL, everyone is playing the Walenda family when you play. There is no safety net, okay? So that's a bad way to play week in and week out. And Tim Tebow, who's in the, in the news for other reasons, and here's the one thing I want to tell you on that. At least respect his opinion. If people want to come after the guy and, oh, you're wrong, that's fine. Respect the young man's opinion because he is giving that. And I really hate guys who give an opinion. And everyone beats him up and tells him how wrong they are. Well, he's not wrong in where he's coming from. I might disagree with him. Actually, I do disagree right. with him. But I respect where he's coming from. But that's what got him out of the league is that the way you had to play with him was you were, running, you were walking tightrope every weekend. And, yes, he helped lead them to a division title at sub-50% throwing. That doesn't last over time in the NFL. I'm just telling you, it doesn't. We can say, that. oh, wow, we'll keep giving them a chance. Coaches, you know, they get ulcers. Defenses lose their minds. The rest of the team's like, oh, my God, why are we in a tight game again when we shouldn't be? That's what you run into. And I'm not saying Mitchell Trubisky is there. And remember, not a lot of starts in college, so he's learning on the go. But they do need him to become that guy and take some pressure off that really good defense they have. It's funny. You always remind me of things unrelated to the reasons that I invited you on the show, and you just did. I have, you know how as your platform grows, yours on a huge scale, ours on a smaller scale, you get fun invitations and then some occasionally strange invitations. Yeah. And, and your flying will end a safety net example reminded me of this. To, to raise money for, in one case, it was the Special Olympics, which is close to my heart. I was yeah. asked to rappel down the side of the tallest building in the city of Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, I don't have a fear of heights or anything like that, but you know what I spent the most time talking to those directors about? <laughs> the safety net. All this, yeah. in, in my case, it wasn't literally a net, but it was the safety equipment. Like, if I lose my footing, my grip, or whatever. I mean, I'm like, yeah. I love raising money for good causes, but I also have a wife and two children. And, and uh, holy cow, that's a, a view from up there. I don't know if you've ever walked a tightrope or repelled a, will, a building, but nope. that's a heck of a view. 
Well, I well, there's two reasons I haven't done either. <laughs> have a fear of, of what happens on the opposite end of what you're doing. So <laughs> that's not why, you know, to me, like repelling coming down the side of a building, it's a lot like what, the, what they tell you in NASCAR. It's not how fast those guys are going. It's how fast that they stop. Yeah. That's where the issue comes in, right? Yeah. So if that stop is abrupt and a wall's involved, that's a problem. <laughs> if you're repelling all the way down and all of a sudden your stop is the ground yeah. and not you, that's a problem. So guess who's not repelling? Guess who's not tightrope walking? Guess who's not driving NASCAR? You're hearing it. Yeah. Right My advice to anybody who repels, trust your safety equipment. Because when I got to the bottom, and it was a lot of fun, actually, but when I got to the bottom, I realized that my muscles had been so tight for so yep. long, the entire trip down, that I was literally shaking. And, of course, they tell yep. you, it doesn't matter how, it, you, you know, you're being supported by something beyond your own muscle strength. That's not, yep. but yet your brain is telling you to somehow hold on for dear life. All right, one quick follow-up, because it was yep. a big topic this weekend. Tim Tebow and Charles Davis would have different points of view on yep. what a college athlete deserves. And you want Tebow's point of view to be respected, yeah. even, even as you have a much different point of view. Go ahead and flush that out for us, because yeah. for some, Charles, it's such a personal thing. Like, how dare the guy who doesn't know my circumstances say that athletes shouldn't ask for more uh, or in this context, you know, the, the name, image, likeness stuff. Uh, yep. When I have been the guy who has lived in non-Tebow circumstances. So take that wherever you want to go. Yeah, and, and very quickly, I think it's very simple. There are many, and I think it was Mina Kimes with ESPN who said, you know, you're using an individual story on a non-individual, you know, your own individual story on a non-individual topic. And that makes it very, you know, and that really puts it in context. All I'm saying is, look, I went through college. I did not come from, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, when I was a kid. What was that? What was that TV sitcom with the Drummond family? You know, with Will or, Willis and Arnold. Uh, what you talking about, stroke. Willis? Different strokes. Yes. Right. And in the theme song, they say, you know, and along comes a man. He's a man of means. Okay, now you've got to define what means are. Right. Right. Are means super rich, are means comfortable, or means middle class, upper? All that just depends on where you're coming from to define what means are. I was in college, DG. Remember Pell Grant? Yeah. Pell Grant money, uh, you know, for certain economic levels, for assistance to go to school, different things like that. And guys used to get Pell Grant checks. And I remember going, Dad. These guys are getting checks every week. <laughs> I'm not getting a check. Now you gotta understand, my father was a high school teacher and coach for the most for most of my life. Okay. He coached some lower level college basketball. So it wasn't like we were getting, you know, making a killing. Okay. My mom was a teacher's aide somewhere. But we were comfortable enough. And I never forget my father telling me when I was a young age and he kept reemphasizing it. If we can't get it for you, don't rely on someone else to get it for you. Because one day you will owe them, and they will ask for it at the exact amount, exact time that you cannot repay. So if I can't get it for you, it's not to be gotten. Are we clear? Clear. Got it. So I never grew up thinking I was lacking anything. Went to college and realized I wasn't lacking anything. Other guys were. But I came out of college never once really saying to myself, you know, I explored the idea, should we get paid, and thought it as a general rule, yeah. I think so because we're a little bit more than what people think it is. Yeah. 
But was I one of those who was saying I absolutely have to be paid? The answer was no. I was getting a great college education. I was playing ball. I was having a great time. I was fortunate. And I said, I'm going to make sure that I get maximized this. So I got my undergraduate degree in four. I redshirted, so I had a fifth year to play. I started my master's and came back and finished my master's. So did I make it work for me? Yes, I did. Other guys are going to look at it differently. And that's why I'm saying respect where Tebow is coming from. Doesn't mean that you have to agree with it, but don't make him out to be Satan because he yeah. thinks athletes shouldn't be paid. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And, and people, to me, it seems like the attack is so vociferous. And I'm like, no, 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 no. His experience has shaped where he's coming yeah. from. Doesn't make him right in your mind, but it doesn't make him the antichrist either. And I don't like that when, when we have those types of arguments. Yeah, well put. On a lighthearted note, as we thank you for your time, I believe you circled, as you often do, you take us down interesting roads. Isn't the the uh, housekeeper from the Different Strokes TV show that you and I grew up with? Mrs. Did, Garrett. Mrs. Garrett. Didn't she end up, like, in the facts of life? life? I mean, how many, how many housekeepers spin off their own sitcom? Did you just identify the only one ever? Like, Alice no. and the Brady Bunch no. didn't spin off her own. Florida Evans did. Ah, yeah, Flo. She was the housekeeper for Maud. Right. So there's two. Spun off and, and, <laughs> and, spun off and spun off in the good time. <laughs> so, you know, there's two that we know of. That's well and, done, and man. You're right. Al, Alice, Alice never moved out despite Sam the Butcher's many, many invitations. <laughs> the best she ever did, I think, was she went bowling and went to the, and went to the, went to the local dance. But I never even saw Sam even get a kiss goodnight. So it was a tough time for Sam. Alice clearly didn't have enough going for her for a whole season's worth of scripts to be written around her. Those others did. Uh, great, Sam great, tried. <laughs> Sam tried. Great stuff, Charles, as always, on life football and a whole bunch of other things. Thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. DG, be good. Talk to you later. Right back at you. 1-800-849-2761. Your Carolina Panthers try to get back on into some winning ways against the Arizona Cardinals. They have stumbled out of the gate as well. The Cardinals 0-1-1. Your Panthers 0-2 after predictably falling to the Rams and not as predictably falling at home to the Buccaneers. We talked about a lot of those things on Friday. We get back to the weekend that was on the other side. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? And what made it that? UVA basketball coach Tony Bennett, Spain, Ricky Rubio, Mark Gasol, and even Hornets backup Willie Hernan Gomez are best of the weekend. Hockey is back. That preseason schedule is underway. The Canes play the Lightning back-to-back tomorrow and Wednesday night. Uh, on the latter matchup, it will be at home. Your chance to see Rod Brindamore's team, at least in preseason play. Ben Roethlisberger's season is over in Pittsburgh. Drew Brees' season is complicated in New Orleans. We can get to the Rams, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the, uh, the Patriots, the other success stories of the weekend. Also, the worst of the weekend from college and pro. Best of included Wake, Virginia, Clemson, and those NFL teams. Worst of included the Panthers, the Steelers, the Jags, the Broncos, the Giants, the Bengals, the Dolphins again, and at the college level, NC State, Pitt, Boston College, Georgia Tech, ECU, Maryland, and others. Their own fans nominated them in many cases for worst of the weekend. We'll get into the why for some of those, and we'll come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? Tyson Fury, Martin Truex Jr., Heather O'Reilly, among the non-football names to make that list as well. 
We'll talk about the Jets visit or the Browns visit to the Jets tonight on Monday Night Football looking forward and we'll get back to the weekend that was with your calls 1-800-849-2761 that's how you can join us on the David Glenn Show Kurt Busch is joining us 38 year old champion of the Daytona 500 I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race did you really it was fun got about an hour of sleep I asked him I go hey when do you have to report to training camp he goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to go back to racing. <laughs> Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Never bad for some ACDC-style energy. Never a bad time, Charles Hadley. Good work with the bump music. We're coming back to your phone calls. Thanks to Charles Davis for dropping by. On Mondays, we like to leave time for you. Your best of the weekend, your worst of the weekend, your questions, your comments, and your complaints. A lot of college football, a lot of NFL on both sides of the best and worst of the weekend equation. We've gotten into housekeepers who also created spin-off shows, Mrs. Garrett from Different Strokes to Facts of Life. We also had the Maud to Good Times conversion. And for the record, Florence from the Jeffersons as the housekeeper did end up with a very short-lived spin-off. It was called Checking In. Good work by our statewide audience on those trivial details. 1-800-849-2761. Tavares is in Greenville. Steve is in Apex. Gene is in Greenville. You can join us from the mountains or the beach or anywhere you would want to live in between. Greg Popovich has said many U.S. basketball fans are ridiculous, immature, and even arrogant for criticizing Team USA for its seventh place finish in China. Tony Bennett is a national champion and has a new contract with the Virginia Cavaliers. He's a best of the weekend because of some of the details of that contract. That Michael Jordan guy is selling huge chunks of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. What is next? for that NBA bunch in our backyard. And how many people care? That was a big headline over the weekend. But with the NHL coming back, with baseball coming down the stretch of the regular season, with college football in full gear, that news kind of just trickled in without a whole lot of attention. Tyson Fury, Martin Truex Jr., Heather O'Reilly, among the non-football best of the weekend. Marc Gasol, Ricky Rubio, and Team Spain got the gold medal in China at the FIBA World Cup. They have been the number two team in the international national rankings for a long time. Team USA has spent most of the last 30 years at number one, but fell all the way to seventh place as Greg Popovich has taken the baton from Mike Krzyzewski. He went with a C team, if you will, after a whole lot of guys said no. 31 of the original 35 in the talent pool ended up not representing our country. Jerry Colangelo kind of called them out. I think Greg Popovich is kind of defending the 12 guys as he should who did play for our country. However disappointed or mad you might be, don't direct your angst toward the 12 guys who said yes to Team USA. We need a little bit more differentiation from you than that. Okay to be upset generally. Uh, I'd even argue that Greg Popovich is a little too protective in the bigger picture, but not at all too protective. Why would you blame the 12 guys who said yes in any way? Why would you attack Donovan Mitchell or Kemba Walker or Harrison Barnes or Jason Tatum? Why would you direct your disappointment, angst, or anger toward the 12 guys who said yes to, cut to, to uh, playing for our country. Just doesn't make sense to me, but then again, a lot of things that people do on social media and otherwise are overwhelmingly disappointing. Tavares in Greenville is next. He wants in on the Tim Tebow aspect of the weekend. If you didn't see it, 
as there are states, plural. California is closest to making a law. South Carolina is in conversations about it. A representative here in North Carolina has actually raised this up the flagpole at the federal level. It has to do with college athletes and what they can get beyond their current room, board, tuition, cost of attendance, etc. It's more narrowly tailored toward the name, image, likeness aspect where you don't get to shop it around. You don't get to financially benefit from those things. It's not a free market in those ways. Tim Tebow was one of those defending to a large degree the status quo, and he got hammered by a lot of people all weekend who thought he was tone deaf toward the needs of a lot of folks who just didn't have the same circumstances as Tim Tebow and couldn't rely on whatever, fill in the blank, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, middle-class upbringing, rich upbringing, or whatever, they're the ones who have a perspective in many cases that Tebow was not channeling. As he said, to a degree, college athletes should be happy with what they have. And they do get something. I mean, I agree with Tebow to a degree. They get more than people are willing to incorporate into the conversation. But in the highly profitable sports of football and men's basketball in particular, there's no way that the superstars get as much in return compared to what they give to their universities. Tavares and Greenville, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Uh, DG, thanks for, thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, if it was all about the, the student athlete, then just leave it. And if it was all about, you know, you just play your game. Well, you know, we need to get rid of the concessions. We need to get rid of the uh, the jersey sales. We need to get rid of all of that the aspect that they, that these kids bring and these kids put seats and and uh, put people in seats and uh, these kids uh, put a lot billions. We're talking about billions with a B. Yep. Dollars in people's pockets, and I understand they get a little something, but we we live in America, a capitalist society that tells me. And it's basically um, uh, in, 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 um, pushing it into my head that, you know, um, supply and demand. Well, the majority of these kids come from impoverished um, areas of, of the country. And so I understand Tebow's not a bad guy, but, yes, he is missing the boat. You know, he, the way when he goes to college, yes, he, when he leaves, he already has an opportunity if he goes to college or not. Many of these kids don't have that same um, net to fall back on. They, it's either basketball, football, or that's it. Now, education, yes, you can get a lot from that education, but $30,000 or $40 million, DG, which one are you going to choose? <laughs> Give me the bigger number, please. Thank you. So when, 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 when the NCAA is getting billions and you're telling me if somebody buys me a steak, I get kicked out and I got to pay a fine and I'm this bad person. Now, come on now. Come on, media. Come on. Let's, let, let, let's be for real. Let's be for real and pay these kids. They're putting their bodies, they're putting their bodies, they're professional athletes. They're putting their bodies on the line. I, and I digress. Well, what's interesting, Tavares, is if you and I ran our own university, you know, I like to use the mythical Podunk State University. I, I hope you're okay with that, uh, the, those T-shirts and that terminology. You and I get to run Podunk State. The reality is if you and I sponsor 30 varsity sports, 28 of those 30 lose money, 
and two, not only make money, they make a lot of money to pay for the other 28. And we all know the two. There are some exceptions to this, but generally speaking, the only two that make a lot of money are at most schools are football and men's basketball. And if you really want to get free market about it, which is okay with me, only the best players are true needle movers. It's funny that Tim Tebow of Florida actually brought up how often he saw his own jersey and yet still was on the side of the fence of the status quo for the most part now that it has been adjusted to include cost of attendance for all these athletes in all of these sports, by the way. But at Podunk State, we've got to figure out a way to not violate NCAA rules as they exist. So the argument really is about changing NCAA rules. And if you look at the California legislation or what's proposed in South Carolina, most people agree that it would be much smarter for our country to address it rather than state by state. You know, California schools are saying, wait a minute, if we're allowed to start letting our athletes take income for their name, image, likeness, the NCAA is going to tell us we're all ineligible out here. We don't want to be ineligible. And if our guys are allowed and we're still eligible, well, then we have a competitive advantage in recruiting. Hey, come to a California school and get a whole bunch more than room, board, tuition, cost of attendance, right? Our new state law says we need to allow you to make this extra money on the side. Well, then the other schools in the 49 other states are saying, wait a minute, I'm recruiting against UCLA. How am I going to get the same kid to come here for A, B, and C when they're allowed to offer more than that because the, the law is different in California? So you can see the complications here. Now, for the record, California's law would not even, if adopted, it's on the governor's desk, so he would have to sign it for it to become law. It's not even impacting the real world until I think it's 2023. So this is a kick-the-can-down-the-road law four years down the road, even if it's signed into law. And that is because this is really a shot across the bow of the NCAA. California does not want its own schools, A, disqualified for using ineligible players, or B, wreaking havoc on the NCAA structure. What California is trying to do is say, NCAA, you keep talking about coming up with a better model. Do it now. You have been in sort of circle mode you know the way your pilot comes on and says we can't we can't land right now we're gonna have to fly in circles for a little while because they're not ready for us at air traffic control the ncaa has been flying in circles for decades saying well we're trying to figure this out we're trying to figure that out it took decades just to get the cost of attendance adjustment so it's in the ncaa's best interest to just kick the can down the road kick the can down the road it worked for decades and then eventually they know they have to change or they lose a lawsuit or something like this comes up. So these are shots across the NCAA bow to force them into action sooner. And, of course, you know, the old saying is it might take an act of Congress for this to happen or that to happen. It is actually true in this case. It might take an act of Congress for what this California law is proposing to, to be enacted sort of on a, a nationwide basis in a way where it's not, oh, California rules, play, schools play, play by one set of rules, and the 49 other states have universities playing by a different set of rules. Nobody really wants that. So there should be a federal answer to this. The tricky part is how do you – if you, you and maybe it's not that tricky. If you open the door to that kind of secondary income, you can open it to all athletes in all 30 of my mythical sports at my mythical Podunk State University. And the reality is who's going to get the offers? My stars in my revenue-producing sports and then occasionally somebody else, right? 
if you have this superstar swimmer, this super, you know, a Mia Hamm athlete in women's soccer, um, you know, a, a Trey Turner in baseball at NC State, somebody, whatever, there are going to be other examples, but the laws of the marketplace work how? Your higher profile athletes are going to get offers and probably 99% of your athletes get little or nothing in terms of offers for their name likeness image. Of course, free market folks, Jay Billis called Tim Tebow's argument. Seriously, not only did he disagree with it, he called Tim Tebow's argument in favor of the status quo, quote, immoral. So it's Jay at one end, you know, not a guy who grew up poor at all. Tim Tebow fits that same description. So maybe Tebow is tone deaf toward other circumstances to a degree. But for those who missed it, Tebow said, I knew going to Florida, my dream school, where I wanted to go, the passion for it. And if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about. Don't get mad at me for Tim Tebow's words, by the way. I'm just channeling them for those who missed it. Now we're changing it from us, from we, from my university, from being an alumni where I care which makes college football and college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us, it's not about we, it's just about me. That's what Tim Tebow's argument was. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about me, but we're just adding and piling on to that where it changes what's special about college football. That was Tebow's argument, for better or for worse. You can chime in with your reactions to it, 1-800-849-2761. There is a way to get more free market without ruining everything most of us like about college sports. The NCAA, though, folks, is only going to get there kicking and streaming. I, I, I have personal admiration for many athletic directors, not so much the NCAA presidents that I have met over the years or interviewed over the years. There is a road forward here that is more fair to more people, and I think most of us are pro-fairness. Let's go back to your calls on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. Steve wants in on the Panthers and Tebow. Brian in Thomasville wants in on NASCAR. Gene in Greenville wants in on college football and the NFL. And David in Greensboro wants in on the Carolina Panthers. You can be next. Major League Baseball had a lot of best of the weekend. More teams clinching playoff bids. And college and pro football are all over the place. Your votes. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Eddie Pinero and the Chicago Bears. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and the Atlanta Falcons. Kansas City Chiefs, including their defense, now 2-0, 28-10 over the Raiders. The Rams look great. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys look awesome. A lot of best of the weekend to go around, college and pro, even as the NC State Wolfpack led the list of worst of the weekend for many in my inbox. More on those stories with your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Next. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? That's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. As you'd predict, all the 0-2 NFL teams got various amounts of worst of the weekend votes. Panthers, Steelers, Jags, Broncos, Washington, Cincinnati, the New York Giants, the Dolphins. The Cardinals aren't 0-2, but they haven't won yet. The Dolphins are truly horrific. Worst of the month. Worst of the year, maybe. 
worst in modern NFL history, perhaps. Either the Jets or the Browns tonight on Monday Night Football will fall to 0-2. A lot of votes for some combination of those teams. At the college level, as Wake and UVA and Clemson and Alabama and Duke and Florida and Central Florida, Arizona State, BYU, others got best of the weekend votes. As I come to your calls, the Wolfpack, the Pitt Panthers, Boston College, Georgia Tech, and others got worst of the weekend votes. ECU got crushed at Navy. Not the loss that was embarrassing, but the margin and the details, 42-10, to 10, and it looked like the Pirates had no chance of slowing down the middies there. Service academies had an amazing weekend overall, by the way. Maryland goes from irrelevant for a long time to crushing Syracuse, making the top 25, and then, of course, the Terps lose to Temple. The Wolfpack was expected to go to West Virginia and win. As I come to your calls, best and worst of the weekend, the Tim Tebow comments and otherwise, 1-800-849-2761. Someone in on Greg Popovich calling out USA basketball fans. I gave my two cents on that. We welcome yours at 1-800-849-2761. Let me say this about NC State's massive disappointment, and that's what it was. I mean, just be glad you're not Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's on this worst of the weekend list because they lost to an FCS opponent at home. The Citadel. So worst of the weekend comes in varying degrees, right? Would you rather be Boston College getting crushed by the Kansas Jayhawks in football? Probably not. The bottom line at NC State, I think, is this. And I follow all of these teams very closely. I vote in all the ACC award type things and have for a long time. NC State is not getting the kind of quarterback play that would maximize that roster. Now, I am not in the business of grilling college athletes, okay? But I can say objectively that NC State has a pretty good offensive line. And NC State actually has three running backs that I would like to have on my team. The freshman Zonovan Knight is a special talent. The number, Well, I guess he starts sometimes. He's either one or two. The sophomore Ricky Person is a bulldozer and another quality player. And they even have another freshman, Jordan Houston, that I like just kind of as a scat back and a receiver and in other ways. So you like your running backs. Ameka, Amezi, and other wide receivers are good players. Kerry Angeline, when healthy, and other tight ends are nice players. And you don't have an elite offensive line the way maybe you have had at times under Dave Dorn, you know, Garrett Bradbury at center being a first-round draft pick last year out of NC State. But it's a good offensive line, right? There's some quality veterans in that starting five. I don't think they're great on defense, and that was exposed by West Virginia. How do the Mountaineers go from barely scraping together seven points and being embarrassed 38-7 to at Missouri to putting up 44 on the Wolfpack? Well, there's a combination of reasons, but the bottom line was the Wolfpack does not have a Bradley Chubb-type elite player in its front seven on defense. And you're just going to be less consistent on that side of the ball. Also... When you have your own punt blocked and set up a West Virginia offense desperate for an identity and confidence and just some mojo, well, when you get a punt blocked deep in your own territory, as NC State did, on the road in front of that big West Virginia crowd, you're shooting yourself in the foot in a way that I don't have to explain to anybody. But back to the personnel. State has adequate talent on defense and can be a good college football team. Still can. They're still 2-1, and one, right? On offense, they have a lot of good pieces that I just outlined there. But in a league where Clemson has Trevor Lawrence and UVA is 3-0 and in part because of Bryce Perkins, their, their dual-threat quarterback, 
And Wake Forest is 3-0 and in large part because Jamie Newman is running it and throwing it. And UNC is 2-1 and in large part because Sam Howell, the true freshman, has been making some NFL-caliber throws. And even other guys are making strides, right? Quentin Harris, the fifth-year senior at Duke, has them out to a 2-1 and start. James Blackman, Florida State's horrible, but it's not the Seminoles' offense's fault. James Blackman is another good quarterback. So what I, I just named half the league there. So those are seven or eight quarterbacks taking their teams, not always to undefeated seasons, but mostly where they want to go. You're not losing at quarterback. NC State's trip to West Virginia consisted of giving life to a West Virginia offense and a West Virginia quarterback that had done nothing but be embarrassed for the first two weeks of the season. So that's on your defense. But Matt McKay, Matthew McKay, is playing below average ACC caliber quarterback right now and a lot of state fans I don't blame you for asking about Bailey Hockman his backup a former Florida State player it was that bad you can't miss that many open receivers he's kind of he's a good athlete but he's not killing you with his legs he's not like a Bryce Perkins at UVA so if you're not really dangerous he's okay you got to think about him running but if you're not a real accurate passer and you're not super dangerous with your legs you're not going to be an above-average ACC quarterback. Now, it doesn't mean he can't get there. He's only a redshirt sophomore. He's only three games into his starting tenure. This is at a school, remember, that for 10 of the last 11 years, NC State has had a future NFL quarterback calling the signals. From Russell Wilson to Mike Glennon to Jacoby Brissett to Ryan Finley. More than a decade worth of back-to-back-to-back-to-back. There was a one-year gap where they didn't have a future NFL quarterback, and guess what? It was the worst season that NC State had. So it's not over. NC State can still be one of the better football teams in this state, in my opinion. But Matthew McKay, redshirt sophomore, has to get better because most of the other pieces in the Wolfpack's program are actually at worst average and in many cases above average and occasionally even great. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Background of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. All right, hour three will begin with your best and worst of the weekend. Ben wants to know if a salary cap system would work at the college level. What if they just remake the model and Charles Davis's way wins over Tim Tebow's way? Jay, David, Jay Billis's way wins over Tim Tebow's way. More of your thoughts on those controversial comments of the weekend and what NFL quarterback is doing truly historic things beyond the old dudes like a Tom Brady or the now injured Drew Brees. More on those stories with your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department. And I said, look at the political scene and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who we'll, we'll passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.